0: Liberty Lockdown, please scan your barcode. Your liberty ain't gone, but yeah, it's on hold. Where did it come from and where did it go? It requires a fight, not tweeting from your phone. Don't need a king, get them off the fucking throne. If you're riding with the thought, you've always got a home. The virus is scared of, will come and it'll go. The government knows this, don't get treated like a hoe.
1: Today I had on the incredible duo. Of Josie, formerly the Redheaded Libertarian, and James Lindsay, author, anti CRT, anti woke warrior himself. Just an amazing lineup, truly. Uh, we dive deep into the Great Reset, critical race theory, the origins of all these things, uh, COVID, Fauci, his background. This is a potpourri of conspiracy theory. Stuff that all seems to not be very conspiratorial at this point huh? Or at least not theory, but certainly conspiratorial Anyways, you guys are going to love this episode If you want to support my work I'm putting together the best product I can possibly muster And I would really appreciate your support Go to libertylockdown.locals.com To become a supporting member of the show There will be about a five minute segment from this show On Locals exclusively because we talk a little bit too honestly about Fauci. And I didn't want to run the risk of getting nuked off of YouTube. So you can find that there. Again, go to libertylockdown.locals.com. And for those of you that are under the gun when it comes to vaccine mandates. And under the gun when it comes to, I don't know, bodily autonomy. And uh, medical privacy. You know, basic American freedom ideas. Yeah, well, I have an option for you that I hope, I know hundreds of you have already taken advantage of this, but I hope a few dozen more will after tonight. Go to crash.co forward slash daily to sign up for the Daily Job Hunt newsletter. It is a once daily email that hits your inbox every morning, gives you some information, inspiration, gets you fired up to get out of your house, get off the couch. Go find that job of your dreams. There are millions of job openings that are not being responded to because so many people... Basically got put on the dole via lockdowns, but those checks, those STEMI benefits are ending. Now is the time to go get that job before someone else snags it or start the business of your dreams. Either way, you will find inspiration and information at the Daily Job Hunt newsletter. Go to crash.co forward slash daily to sign up. Welcome, everybody, to another special episode of Liberty Lockdown. Thrilled today to have on two people that have inspired my thinking over the past couple of years, Josie and James Lindsay. Welcome aboard. Thanks for, Thanks having, for having me. Absolutely. Well, James, you're a uh, an author, uh, probably the most radical thinker I've found over the past year. <laughs> no, I don't know about the most <laughs> radical, but uh, definitely the most bold. Uh, what I know you've had kind of an uh, an arc that has taken you here. I saw a tweet a couple of days ago from you saying, basically, you've made, it seems as if uh, a 180 politically. Is that fair to say, or is it uh, a natural evolution? What do you think?
2: Well, yes and no. Um, I'm not actually politically very interested. I don't like politics. I'm, I don't care about politics. I don't want to have to care about politics. I'm made very annoyed and frustrated by having to be engaging in anything political at all. I like <laughs> philosophy, but these two things have kind of collided and I've kind of been dragged into this. Uh, so the tweet I referenced, so I've been getting a lot of crap on the internet, which is like my thing, apparently that I don't I won't admit that I'm wrong because like people obviously they don't want to believe the things I'm telling them which are just blatantly true things about the world and they want to not believe them so instead it's easier to say that I'm obviously wrong and too arrogant to say that I'm wrong and I never admit that I'm wrong so I listed a number of things that I was dead dead wrong about like I supported Barack Obama for both elections that he won I voted for and supported Hillary Clinton in the election she lost and then I very famously uh, no longer was wrong. I stopped being wrong when I supported Trump in 2020, Um, but I was very wrong. Um, Obama and Clinton were not good people. (laughs) I was wrong about that. I thought they were great. I thought kind of Obama was the consummate American statesman and terrible, terrible, completely wrong. Uh, I also mentioned that I was highly active in the new atheism movement. I still don't believe in God, but I certainly think that that was a bunch of crap at this point. So yeah, there's been some, I don't know if it's a 180 because I've always been like politically not interested and I just don't want to be political. But as for, you know, being willing to admit that I'm wrong about things that I supported and thought were, were clearly important in the past, you know, I'm happy to do that when it becomes manifest that I was incorrect.
1: Sure. Was there, was there a singular point that made you have this epiphany that, you know, Obama, I mean, if you voted for him twice, obviously you had quite a, quite a track record there to assess by, is there a single point where you just kind of like hit a light switch and just said, okay, a lot of these things that I've been supporting have been incorrect.
2: So, you know, the, I started studying critical theory in, you know, 2017, and I started to notice that this is, you know, going to unravel society and that's bad. And I didn't really believe the claims which are true that Obama has pretty deep ties to critical theorists and critical theory movement. Um, I didn't believe those things. Uh, Clinton is just this kind of weird political operative. I'm not exactly sure what to call her, but uh, it was really in the lead up to the 2020 election. I spent the entire summer last year saying that I was going to vote down ticket, but not for president. And I was I wasn't going to pick between Joe Biden and Donald Trump. I was still pretty thickly in some Trump derangement, as it might be called. And uh, finally, the, the Democrats started pushing crazy stuff like we're going to pack the courts. We're going to ignore the courts. The Constitution needs to go. And, you know, you can say, well, it's just an article in the New Republic or it's just an article on this or it's just an art. It's just some crank. But that's not been the trajectory over the last several, many years with, with the left. It's not just some crank, some crank is a trial balloon. And then that thing is real in a few months or a couple of years. And so I decided I had to vote for Trump in a purely defensive manner. And then actually I I realized that Trump at once I I started watching Trump at that point, actually not clips on the media, the fake news started watching Trump as trump and i was like holy crap this guy they lied about him a lot and then it starts coming out you know this this year has been a bit bonkers you may have noticed that the 2021 political scene under the biden regime has been a bit bonkers and um you know a lot of the most bonkers stuff ties back in really uncomfortable ways to obama and it's like wow you know it wasn't just like oh he set the stage for this oh no this is crap he wanted and it's like And he's like tied up with all the people and all this. And it's like, oh wow, I was way wrong about that guy. Wow, he
1: he totally did trick me. He sounds good. He's a good <laughs> talker. Um, great, great talker. Yeah, that's that's probably the best thing I can say about him. Josie, what about your your political evolution? Did you did you start here? Did you start on home base, or did you come around the? No.
3: Oh man, I've had a wild ride. <laughs> so high school, I was, I was a lib. I was just a diehard total lib right Mm -hmm. then 9 11 happened and I made a hard right switch I was very impressionable I was about 16 when 9 11 happened and um I went like hard into like patriotism and um that sort of that sort of thing um and then you know as the years go move and you know Obama which I'd love to weigh in on that um I, I I voted for Obama in 2008 um because I felt like that was a direction we needed to go in after Bush, being Bush and the war. And, you know, he was promising the same kind of stuff. If you think about it, that Biden promised, Biden was unity, he was hope and change. You know, there were like, this is, they, they knew what America needed and they exploited it to get elected, both of them. Um, so then between 2008 and 2012, I was just homeless. Like, I had no idea what I was because I had friends that were either extremely patriotic or friends that were just moving far and far and farther to the left. And I knew I, I wasn't the left at that point. I just didn't know where I was. And then I found Ron Paul and Ron Paul in 2012. And that was it. And then I knew I had a home. Um, but I want to quickly weigh in on something I'd actually tweeted about today about Obama and how toxic he is. Um Yeah, the NDAA from 2012 ushered in a lot of the trash that we see today. Mm -hmm. And I actually went back and read some of it today. And um, one of the things that that um, allowed for was imprisoning Americans without trial forever. He gave himself the power to do that in that. Um, Another thing was this is very specific, and it kind of gave me chills when I read it. Um, in the NDAA of 2012, he made it so that if you protested in a way that interrupted a government session, a go- some sort of government something, it would be a crime. It would be completely illegal, and he could put you away forever for that. Hmm. And we're so, seeing you know, the January 6th treatment stuff in that. Yeah. Yes, and it all came out of, you know, and then on top of that, of course, they repealed the Propaganda Act. Now, if you research that, if you like NDAA 2012 uh, re- repealed the um, Propaganda Act, you're going to the first article that comes up is like Snopes and it's like, no, this didn't happen. Right. But of you course. just dig a little further. And what they did, they repealed and replaced it
1: mm. with
3: the um, smith uh Modernization Act. And that mm. essentially allows for the Smith month act. If anybody doesn't know, that's the, that's the propaganda act. And that's what said that no influence foreign or domestic can be in the media. And they got rid of it. Hmm. And if you think about when the craziness started happening, when it all fell apart, it wasn't 2008. It was starting to kind of slowly get that way. 2012 was hard. 2012 is where it ended. It stopped.
1: Yeah. I mean, if well, you think I, about I feel like, Ferguson, I feel like every, everyone of our mm-hmm. age range kind of feels the same way. Like, we're, life in the world was all relatively sane until about 2012. And then the tracks just yeah. started to tremble and you're like, what the fuck is happening? Um, I mean, that's, that's definitely how I feel. It Just since we're all going around this, the circle, I'll, I'll uh-huh. also admit where I was wrong. I After yeah. 9-11, I was bloodthirsty as hell. I wanted to go kill <laughs> whoever did that to us on 9-11. And, and uh, you know, I think that was probably what radicalized me into my peace, Nick libertarian worldview more than anything um, even though I was a libertarian at the time, is that I had been manipulated and lied to. And, and I, I realized that. And I basically said to myself, I'll never, I'll never buy or support uh, military war propaganda or any government propaganda, because I realized at that point they could lie to us. If they could lie to us about that, one of the most important things when it comes to the taking of human life en masse, uh, I better really be sure before I endorse anything that they're doing. Uh, based off of you know stories that I, I can't really verify. And I think that that's why I, I came into the, the lockdowns and the COVID regime with a very skeptical eye already. And I was pretty much instantaneously opposed to the lockdowns, imposed to the 15 days even. And I had no idea how bad it was going to be. Um, I think that the thing that, that concerns me most is how it doesn't seem to matter that people are protesting across the globe. Like, am I, am I black pilled here? Or does it seem as if they're just kind of forging ahead and that there's, there's a bigger plan to this? James, do you have any, any theses? I mean, is this, is this the great reset? Is this what's happening? And it just doesn't matter. Populist revolts can't put this down unless it becomes violent. Or what do you think? Um, It is the great reset
2: but these revolts can matter. And we're seeing that particularly in the United States where we have the, you know, the, the crown jewel of the world that prevents these kinds of things from happening in the first place is the U S constitution. And so uh, I'm hearing, for example, stories all across the United States as I travel, you know, week by week somewhere new city every week, almost uh, I hear story after story where, you know, they talk about this was going on at a school board or a county commission or a state legislature, you know, so this isn't necessarily federal politics, but uh, you see what's happening with the mandates at the federal level too. And then There's, I promise there's a method to my madness here, but at these local, local and state level things, you know, we're now having hundreds or thousands of say angry parents showing up and all of a sudden, you know, the legislators or the, the committee members or whoever happens to be are used to a dozen or two people showing up and being mad. They're not used to a thousand Mm -hmm. and this is frightening them. And at least in the United States. And these aren't, you know, wackos. These aren't people like burning down a police precinct. These are people showing up and just saying no, and standing outside peaceably. And, you know, maybe they chant or sing or something, you know, wave signs or some normal protesting. And what happens is they the initiatives don't pass, in, in mostly only in red states. Obviously, you got de Blasio just ramming stuff down. Uh, what's her name? Hochul or however you say her name in New York, just ramming stuff down. But in these red states, which could kind of like low-key federate, uh, you're actually finding an increasing willingness, look at Florida, for example, to just Look at the federal government and say, we're not going to do this. And we're not, we're also not going to secede and drop out of the, the union. You're going to have to deal with us. We are going to not, we're, we're going to drag our feet and you're going to have to drag us where you want us to go. And what that does is it forces a very heavy hand. Now, we are seeing that heavy hand in countries like Australia and Germany and Austria, uh, even the Nordic countries. Sweden had such a good track record through COVID, relatively speaking, and then all of a sudden, somebody got to somebody and they spun on a diamond uh, just a, a few weeks ago. So something happened there. But this is the Great Reset. There's an ocean of money behind it. There's probably an ocean of scarier stuff you know, lurking behind that as well, because the people who have laid trillions of dollars into this want it to happen and they stand to benefit tremendously. But that doesn't mean that the the populist and largely peaceful populist revolt can't have an impact. Where you're seeing a lack of impact is like in in Europe, first of all, the governments are more heavy-handed, the EU is all in, the the leadership is a bit more committed to it. But you're also having people, and I, I understand, I'm not complaining too much, but you have people who are protesting on the weekends, and you get these cool videos going on social media that the news doesn't talk about and Mm -hmm. then you know monday through friday they show up they wear their masks they get all three of their fourth shots or whatever it is that you have to get and they just play along Mm. but if it becomes too unruly and that doesn't have to become violent you don't have to even go to the point where there's property damage that will happen probably some places but it doesn't even have to get to that place if it is sufficiently unruly to where this handful of people has to get extraordinarily heavy-handed to make their bid without anything having to be out of control then this kind of revolt actually can work it just takes lots of people who realize that you're not going to show up on a saturday and the next week everybody's going to change their mind right you might show up over the weekend and they change their mind for three weeks and then do it again but this is this this actually is a serious, a serious bid by serious players with a lot behind them. They've put in all their chips and they've cashed them in now. They've crossed the Rubicon, in other words, and no, they can't go back. Hmm. These people are going to prison for life if everything goes back to normal at best and they know it. So all they can do is push, 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 push. We talk about they're never going to get elected again. No, a lot of them are going to jail forever. And, um, they know this, so they have one direction they can go, which means people have to continue to show up and show up and show up and show up and show up. And that actually can stop this. Wow.
1: Well, that's, that's pretty, uh, it's pretty dark, but I, I, I have to agree with you. I think the fascinating uh, dynamic is that for them, you know, like you said, if we, if we take a couple, 10,000 people or something like that, and. And we protest really aggressively for a weekend, which is a it's a pretty big commitment to round up that amount of people and to spend that amount of time. And then all they have to do is delay their plans by a couple of weeks. I mean, that's really what they've been doing to a large extent. Yeah. And and it's just like the the amount, the the burden that's on the protester is so much more significant than the people that are pushing these plans because we have to we have to be so persistent, we have to basically dedicate our lives to this, whereas they can just sit in there ivory tower and then decide you know okay now's time they've they've calmed down and and this is how i felt with the the lockdowns and the the mandates is that like i can't keep people enraged long enough you know (laughs) like right I, i can get people engaged for a limited period of time but i need you to be like every day you wake up I want you fucking furious that they've done this to you. And and I understand it. There's a there's a limit to the amount of rage people can have. But anyways, it sounds like is, you have
2: This going. is why I advocate for sand in the gears. You don't have to be angry every time you walk by the machine to throw a handful of dirt into it. And <laughs> right. so just make it costly and annoying for them. So I advocate stupid little things like if a place want, like say an airport, wants me to wear a mask, I happen to forget mine every single time and they have to give me one. Every single time. <laughs> right. Oh my gosh, I
3: forgot.
1: I love little it. things. Yeah. No, Josie, what do you think
3: about which part?
1: Oh, sorry. Any, any of it? I mean,
3: the <laughs> we the great covered res- So much. <laughs> yeah.
1: The the great reset and uh, and basically how how we prevail in the face of what seems like a very powerful monolith that we're up against.
3: So something I am consistent <clears throat> about and have always been consistent about, besides everything is the bill of rights our bill of rights the 10th amendment is going to save this country and the reason that we are not you know behind fences in germany and locked in concentration camps that's what they are in australia is because of our bill of rights and because we have guns and people are like oh you know you can't stand up to the military we have politicians say that which is infuriating and terrifying that they are comfortable enough to say things like that to us. Yeah. Like you're not going to beat the government. It's like, ooh, I don't know about that. You well know, the like sitting president
1: get... of the United States said it. I mean that yeah. that
3: is it's so un yeah, say say M- M4s. Yeah, yeah yeah that was inferior you know then you have uh Eric Swalwell who says stuff like that all the time and he's insufferable.
1: Yeah Mr Can't Mr, stand Mr. Farts pants <laughs> talks about new <nuking laughs> American cities. Yeah. So uh I he has I, no I, place man. to
3: speak. Yes. So the 10th Amendment, people are always telling me, they're like, oh, it's just a piece of paper. Like, you got to give up. Like, you know, libertarians say this stuff to me all the time that I need to give up on the Constitution and I need to give up on the Bill of Rights. And I'm like, no. They're like, well, it's just a piece of paper. I'm like, you know what? That piece of paper is why you're not in a cage right now. Like, that piece of paper is why you're not in a camp right now. That piece of paper is why you're not having a needle forced into your arm right now. Like, that little piece of paper. So there is power there. And the elites want you to think that there's not power there. And the only way they can undo that power is through NDAAs, unconstitutional pieces of legislation, or just by ignoring it until it gets fought through the courts. Right. So they'll just make a law and say, okay, this is the law now. And you see it with like the mandates and the, it dies in courts. You saw it with the, the housing, uh, the rent, the rent cancellation yeah, died the in foreign. the courts. And that's what they do. They do it, they enforce it, they push it through. People get scared, they go through with it. And then it dies in the court. And well, so it, those this- are the ways that they through
1: their tyranny yeah no you're you're absolutely right my my concern is and you know i i see both sides of this i both think that the constitution is simply a piece of paper but also it's a very powerful one in the sense that we all not all but most of us here share this delusion that it matters and that like there is a a mechanism by which we can enforce it upon our rulers and things of that nature i mean ultimately i believe that also our power comes from the end of a gun and like that's the second amendment is the most powerful Words ever written, just simply because it implies that we can overthrow this place and do so constitutionally. I mean, that's a very, it's a very powerful statement that very few countries have ever been founded upon. Um, but at the same time, the the tyranny that we've e- experienced over the past two years, it's been so rapid that the the court system can't even deal with everything that it they're can't doing. Keep
3: up with it, exactly. yeah, and,
1: and they're just, and that's what that to me is what makes this feel more orchestrated. Is simply that. <laughs> all they needed was a, a single impetus, like a, a virus, uh, a pandemic. And then they could say, well, now we have emergency powers. So now we can do basically whatever we have to. And then you have to, so with the a, a signing of a, of a paper or just verbal, even it seems like they can completely remove our rights. And then we have to spend a year duking it out in, in jail or in, uh, in court to try and retrieve those rights to get, uh, higher and higher level uh judges to dismiss these cases or or um, put holds on these on these policies
3: um, they know it too they've kind of changed the organization where well they've changed it where we can't come at them with our guns anymore we need to go through the courts and we have to and it's going to take time to go through the courts you have to go through you know this court and then that court and then a higher court and eventually it's going to get to scotus to how long does that take to get to scotus and be able to undo the damage like the damage has been done after a year and they know that so they've exploited that it's a loophole and they've been able to exploit that loophole
1: what do you think james is it is it is the speed with which all of this is happening i mean it's obviously it can be justified in the blue-pilled version of reality that uh, no it's just a response to a pandemic and the reason it's happening so rapidly is because they have to adjust to the new variants and this and that Uh, it certainly doesn't feel that way to me so what do you think
2: i think it's entirely orchestrated. And I think they knew from the beginning before they unleashed this, that it could only work if it happened everywhere at once. I think that they knew they needed something. They've been, you know, mouthing about pandemics being a possible impetus for global change for over a decade. You, yeah. you can't tell me some of these people weren't thinking that it it, it would be, you know, the, the place where when the ground was prepared. Uh, but I think that there's greater hope not to kind of dwell in, do I think it's orchestrated? Yes. But the the greater hope lies in the fact that I think our orchestrators are morons. And <laughs> I think people forget that all the time. I mean, Michael Malice is obviously the best at reminding us of this. He'll show a picture of one of these weirdos and he will say being black-pilled means believing these people can win, whether it's <laughs> some dude with like blue hair and like, some kind of a, you know, 830 piercings across his face and like a neck tattoo or something, or whether it's like Klaus Schwab in his freaking leather spacesuit. You know, it's <laughs> like literally, you have to believe these weirdos. And and when I say they're they're not as smart as they think they are. First of all, I also just to add a piece, I think they rushed. Not only is this did it come on very quickly, I think it went on before they wanted it to. I don't know if that's because the Chinese slipped and dropped COVID too early, like they spilled the, the vial or whatever they did. I mean, I've been to China a bunch of times. The that just escaping by accident and not on purpose from a lab in China, I was like, yeah, it's the most China thing I've ever heard in my life. Um, so you know, that's totally plausible. I don't know if they did it because Trump and they wanted to force the changes for the election so they could could make sure that their guy they wouldn't we wouldn't have another round of trump who was you know standing at least more than halfway not fully in the way of their plans um i don't know which of those things it is but they've rushed it so they're fumbling it and how do you know and i say they're stupid and that they're fumbling what do i mean all right so what are they doing right now there's this massive global ad campaign that children have strokes like this is normal Okay, when they when they're to this level of desperation, oh yeah, cold weather causes heart attacks and winter vagina and all of these other <laughs> menstrual issues and miscarriages when they're this desperate that they're saying these kinds of stupid things. Um, you can tell that they've you know, they've got their bus, they loaded it up with explosives or whatever you want to use as a metaphor, they're rolling down the interstate. We've all seen that movie with what's his face and whoever that she is and the the bus movie uh speed or whatever but yet the The Mm
3: -hmm.
2: yeah their bus the wheels are off of it it's like it's got sparks flying and stuff where the where the hubs are scraping against where where the the wheels are scraping against the pavement the fenders like ripped off you know this thing's not doing well and everybody's looking at this thing the number of people that i hear who are committed democrats who are like something's wrong you know (laughs) the most blue-pilled Okay, so there's like blue pilled and then there's like blue anon. You take you you leave blue anon alone and you look at just your normal blue pilled normies and you know, Democrats, and they're like something's real wrong. And you know, there are there are real world confirmations of this. I was in in Virginia, I was in Loudoun County in August talking with people and they were very frustrated politically, saying, you know, we've got such and such percent Democrat, such and such percent Republican, it wasn't looking good for the Republicans. It's like a 12-point spread. To blue in Virginia now, you know, it's solidly blue state, but the Democrats are all saying what they were very frustrated with the Democrats around here. And this is like Loudon and Fairfax counties are something's bad wrong. We need to change, but we need a Democrat to fix it. And then they vote for Youngkin. Youngkin's not exactly like Mr. Liberty uh, by any stretch. Let's yeah. not pretend. But to have to, to have flopped like 14 points from one side to the other, when that seemed impossible just a couple months earlier because the Democratic voters would only vote for a Democrat who would solve the problem. That is a signal that, you know, we're not dealing with the brightest bulbs here. The stuff that came out around the schools that leaked out, the stuff that they did, um, their, their reactions to it when it started to come out, this is what I'm saying, we're not dealing with, with tremendously smart people. And this is generally the case. You know, Communists are the people who are just below average who wish they were the superstars. And that's who they are. Actually, I should say they're just above average. They're below superstar, but they think they are supposed to be the star. Right? They're mm-hmm. elitists who are not elite. And mm-hmm. uh, so they think that they're better than they are and pride cometh before the fall. And they're falling. I mean, seriously, kids, it's normal for children to have strokes. Actually, little known heart condition in young, healthy women that causes them to have heart attacks when they run, if and only if they've been vaccinated. You know, their, their messaging is, is this another manifestation of climate change? They're so bad. They're so out of touch. Look at this Patriot Front Fed March they just did. This is, this is clowns. It's the stupidest thing anybody's ever seen. It's literally the dumbest thing I've seen since the last time they pretended to be a bunch of feds that aren't feds. And mm-hmm. it's just like, they're not fooling people anymore. And so as this spreads, I think that they are in much bigger trouble than, than a lot of us black types tend to think they are. Yeah. And there's a lot of hope and exploiting them to make another stupid mistake. I have a friend who's very religious. And he told me, I wake up every morning and I pray to God for the same thing. And I said, what do you pray for? He said, I pray that my enemy stumbles. And I was like, I called him one day. I was like, dude, your prayers are working because they're tripping all over themselves. Every day (laughs) there's a new one.
1: I love it. Well, that's, I mean, it's interesting because I, I think that my, my biggest, I, I agree with you, by the way, that I am optimistic and they are, the tracks are smoking and <laughs> you can see the, the bumpers falling off the bus and they're just fucking crazy. Um, <clears throat> what I don't understand is the urgency with which they're doing this stuff. It, it makes me feel as if they knew there was a deadline that had to be met or like, what is what was the purpose for the game plan? Because from my Austrian economics background, I was also a mortgage broker. I, I view it as kind of this ticking debt time bomb. We have, I think it's like 300 trillion global debt. And, and they sensed that ultimately there was going to be an economic reset. And that paired with the advent of AI and the internet and also you know, the, the rapid exchange of information, they just kind of concluded, if we don't bring about the fall of society so that we can mold it into our image, then it, it may happen against our will and be out of our control Is there an alternative thesis as to why they implemented it now?
2: Uh, Yes, but
1: that's got, you know,
2: I would say that's a plausible, not only a plausible, I would say it's a significant component. Uh, You know, the the economy should have collapsed in 2008 properly and they put a bandaid on it and it didn't. And then they busted up the movement, the Occupy Wall Street movement that might have brought accountability uh, using all this wokery, which so they figured out that that works and started dumping rivers of money into it. But uh, yeah, they call this the fourth industrial revolution. And the goal is to what they're looking at China rising on the world stage. And they see a communist authoritarian government that has a fascistic economy, uh, operating within it. And they think that the only way to beat China in this, this scenario is to become China, to gain that. You hear them, the, the leaders say that all the time, when you can't compete with China's, you know, one party rule, we need the, the democracy is too slow. We need to get out of that model so that we can compete with China when they're actually, I mean, Trump's trade war was going pretty well. There are other ways to, to compete with China. Yeah. And so, there's the aspect there that they actually want to transition into a fully new economy. Now, when you bring up AI, that becomes very significant because they look at Time Magazine, which is the Great Reset Magazine, uh, literally. Everything, they actually did like the whole like, series on the Great Reset last year. Oh, um Yeah, they are. They're just like the W in the WEF's pocket. But Time Magazine had this whole thing last year, it's like 2045, the year that human beings become immortal. And there's these crackpots think human beings are going to merge with machines. We're going to all have like Elon Musk's Neuralink, but not by Elon Musk, but Klaus Schwab's like a Neuralink or whatever he'll actually call it. You know, like it's probably going to be called like these nuts or something. And we're all going to be in his internet of things. But the goal is to shove everybody for whatever set of these reasons into a digital identity that they have absolute tyrannical control over, like China's social credit system. Now, the financial thing you brought up becomes relevant there, because if there's about to be a crash, you say, oh, so we can mold it according to no, 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 So we can't, if we have social credit keeping us down, we can't populist revolt on them. When say the whole economy crashes like big time proper, who do you think's heads are going on platters? Theirs but not if they have a complete tyrannical social credit system keeping everybody down. Um, and then, of course, these guys just there's other elements, too. Like I my my best guess is that Bill Gates, for example, to name a person, really does believe all the climate change nonsense to whatever degree and thinks he's saving the friggin world from a disaster. So how are we going to do that? Well, some weird Malthusian population control buy up all the farmland? Uh, you know, all this kind of crap. So there's like all these things that these guys have convinced themselves of since the 60s that they're, they're like, let's just do all of it at once. And they do think it's all in haste. If you read Klaus Schwab in his stupid great Reset book, he's always, there's a very narrow window. The pandemic gives us this very narrow window that's closing rapidly. They know they only have so long to foist tyranny on the people because A, they, their pretext is drying up the vaccines are the pretext. So the vaccine passport is the, the stepping right. stone. And then B, if it doesn't work, then it's, it's the hundred years before anybody trusts these weirdos again. Plus we're going to have, you know, blockchain. We're going to have all kinds of decentralized tech that they're not going to be able to gain easy control over if we get out of the other side of this. And they know their last grasp of control is now. So the window is narrow for them for two big reasons.
1: Yeah, well, I think it's, it's narrow both ways. It's narrow for them. Uh, but it's also narrow for us, because if they get that vaccine passport that becomes a, a credit score uh, system that's done on the blockchain and, and basically immutable. Uh, yeah, problems are abundant. Josie, I haven't ever pinned you down on this topic. So I wanted to ask, are, do you buy this narrative? I mean, are we are James and I conspiracy theorists? Or what do you think is happening here?
3: Oh, no, this is absolutely all happening. And I think I've okay. talked to you about it before, too. Um, I believe Donald Trump was never supposed to happen.
1: I believe oh, he right. was a surprise.
3: Right. Yep. And I mean, there's ways to look at this and see that he was a surprise. They, um, Hillary was supposed to happen. This was all supposed to happen right after Hillary got elected. And then we were just supposed to just transition into this nice and smooth, right? We are four years behind schedule. So like that's Canada. what they're rushing. I believe that they do have an end goal i believe that it has to do with a crash in global debt like you said like what 300 trillion dollars yeah. and like who the hell do we owe it to for the globe like who do we owe all this money to you know oh, yeah. but yes there is a deadline it's gonna crash and they want to be in control of it when it crashes and the only way to do that is with these vaccine these passports and they've already they're issued it i i don't know if you've been watching i'm looking to move again i just moved but um because charlie baker Who's a Republican, by the way, my governor? He said um, he approved uh, electronic passports for our state, and the next day he said he's not running for governor, which makes me think he could be running for president because he's a moderate Republican. Which you know, if it the if the uh, pendulum's going to swing, it's going to swing back Republican. They might have somebody that they can control who's obviously in their pocket. I'm um, not
1: familiar uh, with him at all, but that that's an mm-hmm. interesting thesis. Uh, the alternative thesis would be that perhaps he's just been offered a couple million dollars a year to sit on the board of whatever company he benefited with. That decision. that's
3: definitely possible too. Um, the front runners to replace him are obviously hardcore far left. Uh, one of them, she's some Harvard professor, and her and she's the top runner for through the Boston Globe. Um, her name's Kim something, I think. Um, but her first priority is uh, mandatory vaccines for children in schools. Yep, that's number one on the top of the list for her. So they're all involved in it. But Charlie Baker I actually didn't used to hate him. And I ought to give him credit. He's the only reason my liberal state did not go the way of California and New York is because he is fiscally conservative. And he did know how to how to keep our state alive. Barely, but he did it. And you right. know, you got to give him credit for that. But now he's like, Nope, stepping down. No idea where he's going. Well, that's, but that's yes, tragic. you guys aren't. You guys aren't crazy about that. I'm 100% with you. We see it all <laughs> happening, all unfolding right before our eyes.
2: Yeah. What Josie just said, super important too, by the way, is that the everything is going to be made or you want to know where the make or break point for America okay. and thus the West, thus the world is. It's going to be the Republican primaries next year. That's yeah. where, because they're going to try to stick as many regime operative WEF, you know, what are the young leaders like Dan yeah. Crenshaw into these mm-hmm. positions as possible. Because and they're going to all be saying the right stuff. They're going to be like, oh, critical race theory is really bad. They're going to be saying all the right stuff, but they're going to be like Rhino doesn't even start to cover it Um, like their plants is what they are. And uh, their job will be to say the right things and do nothing. And because they know right now that like talking about crossing the Rubicon, the Democrats are fried and they do have some control over the elections, but they don't have enough control. To stop what's going to happen in 2022 electorally uh, in most states, and so what is going to probably happen is they're going to try to control the the Republican primaries and uh, make sure that they get as many fake conservatives in as possible. And people need to be real, real sharp on that right now. They need to be start thinking who are actual. Constitutionalists. I don't even care if they're left or right, as long as they're constitutionalist, right. who are constitutionalists who can be in the and I said Republican primaries, but Democrat primaries are going to be important too. Uh, who are constitutionalists who can be put up in these offices, there is a huge hunger, by the way, in Democrat land, for Democrats who care about America, as opposed to whatever this crazy woke communist fascist nonsense is. For and sure. so uh, those primaries are where America is going to be made or broken.
1: Uh, next yeah, year I, I agree with you I, I think it, it holds tremendous sway over our future and the I mean this my black-pilled brain comes right back up and I say oh my god they're gonna put fucking Dan Crenshaw in there it's gonna happen like I, I can just <laughs> see I can just see like whoever whoever the the media pushes on the GOP side is going to be I think that they're going to probably try and trumpify him where they treat him like shit but they give him a tremendous amount of coverage because they realize that mm-hmm. most people don't trust the media they don't trust the the operatives that that tell us the, the news um but at the same time they can't they can't put up a guy like beto o'rourke on the left where he's just like <laughs> this guy is such a fucking caricature of the left and he's such an he's just such a transparent scumbag and but they 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 can hoist up they can basically put anybody up on the on the pedestal but the people at this point can't they don't really buy it so i'm really concerned about how they orchestrate this to like paint a rosy picture of a guy that seems like a revolutionary figure that is in fact you know bought and paid for by the world economic forum i mean you mentioned Yunkin, uh from what i've read about him he seems to have been one of those uh potentially he i guess he he, he has some, some ties there yeah. yeah and he's so. been he's got the other
2: the other aspect is he's been surrounded by people who are um third way that's what you'll see on the right is people arguing for the third way critical race theory is bad but we need to find a third way that talks about history in a more comprehensive way works and all you know that kind of crap so he's surrounded by people like that and now you, you know k cole james for example who he put in charge of his transition team from heritage, uh, formerly from heritage. I don't think she's a heritage anymore. And I may be wrong about that, but uh, yeah, she's, she's crypto woke and they will, even if, uh, you know, yunkins even if Youngkin, just as, as, as an example of a person were much more conservative, like Trump was outside of the system. I don't even know if the conservatives are the right word for him, but outside of the system, right. you know, they surround, like Paul Ryan took over PPO and was like, you know, I got you. Don't worry, and uh, made sure that of his five thousand federal appointees that he gets to make, you know, however many we're going to just undercut him at every at every turn, and so you know those those kinds of things are the moves that they'll try to make. That said, if you know people's rhino radar needs to be you know turned up to like eleven right now, but on top of that, uh, we do have to just to throw that little nugget of white pill into the black. Um, look again, just go watch the video of Patriot front or whatever the hell they called it. That's what it's going to look like. And so, you know, it's going to be like, they're going to have some guy getting out of a U-Haul to come give a political stump speech or something. And it's like, don't vote for the guy in the U-Haul. You know, it's not quite that, but you know what I mean? <laughs> they're, I love this it, is though. their problem is they're so out of touch now. Right. The, the regime is so out of touch with what like the meme understands that they're going to put up clowns. The internet is going to figure them out very quickly and it's up to us to actually fulfill that uh role
1: Mm -hmm. we are are going to put up
3: caricatures i feel like they're going to put up caricatures people i've seen them running in various places and their commercials usually go viral there was one woman i don't remember what she was running she might have been running in nevada woman was you know textbook like wearing a leather jacket like stacked um had guns the
2: boobs girl (laughs)
3: <laughs> yeah, the boobs girl, there you go. And she was like shooting bottles. And I'm like, you know what? I, I don't trust this. I feel like it's an operative. I feel like they put up someone who is a caricature of is of what they think conservatives are.
2: Like make yeah. a like a like a Lauren Boebert exaggerated cartoon and run for yes.
1: office. That's Wayful. exactly
3: what I think is uh going <laughs> on here.
1: Um, so I, I know this is James kind of expertise here, but I, I'd like both of your opinions on it. What what role has China played in the wokeification of this country? Because I think we've both, or all of us, have identified that 2012 was kind of the tipping point. But there was some groundwork that was laid prior. It, obviously, we all understand the the role that academia played. Um, where where did China enter this? It, is I, I always. Basically give my background as to why I'm concerned about lay- laying this all at the f- uh, foot of China is that I could totally see the warmongers taking advantage of this propaganda to be like, oh, well, you know, we're being invaded. Uh it's a Psyop a cultural revolution, but it's because of China. So we have to go to war against China. I don't I don't want that. So right. um, anyways, go for it. China's late to the
2: game. So they weren't pushing woke. Uh for a long time they were making they, they are now, but at first they weren't. They were making fun of woke. And actually, when you look at their propaganda, they're actually really, I mean, this are, they're very good at political warfare. First mm-hmm. of all, you must understand that the, the U.S. is terrible at it. Um, and the Chinese even assessed, I think, like two decades ago that they said that our, our ability to deal with political warfare, like propaganda and psyops and so on, was degraded so far as to basically be non-existent. Uh, but that said, they were making f- the BISO phenomenon, the white left phenomenon, they were making fun of the, the woke. And laughing at America over it and didn't realize it took them way too long to realize they could weaponize it. And when they weaponize it now, it's like really transparent caricature stuff. So they're not savvy with it yet, which means they were late to the woke game. What they were not late to, though, was infiltrating other institutions. Uh, The T.H. Chan School of Public Health, you might have noticed that Chan is a Chinese last name um, (laughs) that's named after Gerald Chan. It was paid for by a name, a man named Ronnie Chan. Uh, the largest single grant ever given to a American university was to Harvard to establish a Chinese bought uh, public health school. And then here we are in this pandemic. And it's one of the, it's a number two uh, American institution talking about the pandemic after the Johns or public health school after Johns Hopkins, CDC and FDA are, of course, significant too. They also, uh, Xi Jinping basically himself visited and helped finance Imperial College London, which is where all the crap models came from. Uh, And so what they knew or what they were doing with that, I don't know. But I know, and I don't know if I really even should say this, I do know that this Chan character, Ronnie Chan, who paid for the T.H. Chan School of Public Health, um, I know that he knew because I know people who know. Um, I know that he knew at one point that identity politics and public health were going to be the way that you could break the west and china has been behind the eight ball on identity politics on the woke stuff but they understood that having you know lots of influence in schools of public health was going to be extremely uh, influential now this isn't like some huge revelation like they had some grand strategy i mean this committee for public safety during the french revolution the nazis called their nazi passport the gesundheit pass the you know the the health pass it's like it's always been public health and public safety that they use to foist tyranny that's not anything new anywhere uh but the fact that you know they knew to start putting lots of money and getting lots of influence within and lots of connections back and forth and then there's all the stuff like you see on the national pulse where they've exposed uh you know ties between Fauci or Dashik and whoever, the North, you know, the, the North Carolina University, uh, they're uh, in ties to the Wuhan lab and so on. So there's been all these, they've had all these ties and things in place in terms of public health, which has been very fortuitous. Now I'll point out, by the way, I already said the WEF IMF goal. And if we throw, just to throw everybody in, if we are on Soros, with his Open Society Foundation, they don't like China. Their goal is to compete with China. Mm -hmm. Now, the WEF and the OSF, Soros and Schwab, aren't exactly bosom buddies either. They're competing with one another. But both of them know that if China wins, it's bad. We don't want to live in Xi Jinping's world tyranny. And so... um, We
1: we want our technocracy, not their technocracy.
2: (laughs) We need Oceania to compete with East Asia to always have been at war with it. Uh, Yeah, exactly. And so there are a lot of pieces like at the big level here on the board but as far as the woke stuff goes, China was behind the eight ball. They, they they are exploiting it now, but they got there late and they're not doing it well yet. As far as the public health side of things, they were earlier to the game and realized that that was going to be probably, they probably saw it not as like, a here's how we're going to do it and take over the West. They probably saw it as this is a strategic investment that's really smart to make. Should something come down the pike, we're ready to go. And then something came down the pike in the form of a uh, SARS-CoV-2. Um, so well,
1: I, I may get in trouble. We I, we may take this segment to, to locals, but uh, just for like 10 minutes, because I, I really want to get to the bottom of this. Because I was was Fauci read in? Was he read into this plan? Because like, if you recall the first month before lockdowns, he said, you don't need to wear masks. And then they fight it saying that, well, yeah, I, I said that, but it was because we wanted to save them for first responders. So basically, he admits he lied, and, and that's that's the explanation. It's a fair explanation. I also wonder if perhaps he was telling the truth and that he knew that the masks weren't efficacious. And I think all of us now know that if you've read any of the studies, you know it. So um, perhaps he was read in about a month deep into this thing and and basically told, this is what we're doing, and this is why. And I don't know if that's if that's a fair assessment, uh, but I, I can't come to any other conclusion other than this guy has to be involved. If he's actually a scientist, if he's actually able, capable of reading reading scientific papers, how the fuck is he wrong on everything? Like what? What? How is this? How is this happening? I don't understand.
3: Well, it's I... fascinating to watch um, Rand Paul attack him because he can be Fauci. Fauci, not to me, and just. Not to anybody who's unhooked from the matrix, but Fauci is charming. Fauci is sweet. Fauci is like your grandpa, okay? And that's what people get. And they they kind of like felt that, like before we knew what was going on, he was like the hero, you know? And then they were being weird and like getting his name on their underwear and stuff. But Fauci is like a grandpa until you see Rand Paul go at him. And it's like the mask comes off. And it's like, you can almost see his entire face change. Like you see the, like the evil come. Like there's something that that's, is that's just That's the face not... of a
1: man who has not been challenged in 50 years. Cause that yes. it's very rare. I think for him to be challenged.
3: Exactly. Now you're seeing him get arrogant, like really yeah. arrogant with the, I am the science stuff. Like, and he got dragged too by Cruz and uh, Rand Paul both dragged him over that comment. Congress. What's remarkable
1: about that though, is he did it a, a couple weeks prior and he got eviscerated for it. And then he came back and he did it again. This motherfucker has no shame. He really believes it. He believes he's the science. It's
3: crazy. <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> I despise him. Yeah, if he's like a grandpa, he's the grandpa that you you're just waiting yeah. to read his will. You're just oh, like please go know away. That.
3: I I know this because of where I live and who is around me and stuff, the way that they speak about him and you know like he's like a god to them. Yeah. Like in you know like I said when sure unhooked from the matrix and your people be like it's it's terrifying that some human can have this amount of power over people
1: yeah well that's for sure what do you think james
2: about fauci um is yeah is I, I mean, don't think is he, he read
1: in is he just a is he just a figurehead a spokeshole to push this shit and he doesn't know what he's doing what do you think
2: i think he does know what he's doing um I don't know that he necessarily knew exactly what his role was going to be in various uh, capacities with this early on or whatever. Uh, I don't know if he had to play a game where he knew that if he went too far this way or that way, Trump might fire him. And, you know, he had to thread a needle there. So I don't know exactly what his motivations are in that regard. But if you look at the guy's history, going back even to the AIDS thing, like the right. guys, it, it, this, you, you say he's wrong about everything. He's been wrong about everything for 50 years. And <laughs> he's been wrong. About, like, horrifically wrong and like when you start throwing in oh, only stuff a government like,
1: scientist could be wrong for 50 years and continue
2: show, to go yeah. up the chain he
3: still have a
2: job <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah you start throwing in the stuff with the beagles and the monkeys oh, and whatever other stuff like some of the stuff and then oh, and the, the AIDS stuff too with AZT like yeah with children it's like mm-hmm. no this dude's like probably just straight up a bad dude like yeah. and that makes him a very uh you know useful person to play in this particular role um there's all these weird ties i just found the other day as they need many... him to be,
3: was they that you need him to be likable like even youtube like got rid of the dislike and you know it's because of fauci and because of yeah. biden they and need biden. him to continue to be seen as a positive character and the people are winning
2: yeah i think that that's right i i i he knows what he's doing i i would be very surprised if he doesn't
1: mm-hmm. um so you said that China is late to the game when it comes to spreading the, the or manipulating the wokeism. Um, if they if they aren't responsible, was it just a, a, a Marxist ideology that kind of percolated through academia that that started getting so that this ball rolling?
2: This is interesting. I've been trying to figure this out and I don't know for sure, but I think, OK, so the Marxists are just obsessives. They're just doing this crap. Right now, there are lots of weird ties all the way back into like the 60s with the Marxist into like all this stuff. Um, So, you know, we could get into all of that. All this stuff didn't just happen organically. But these guys are obsessives. And say for critical race theory, for example, it was literally an intellectual backwater. By the end of the 90s, nobody was paying any attention to it except them. It was very incestuous. It wasn't growing. It was shrinking at the end of the 90s in terms of its influence and reach. It was this thing, you know, law schools largely tolerated. And barely. And then along came Occupy Wall Street. And I think what happened actually was that um, Goldman Sachs discovered that it was extraordinarily useful to break up a populist movement, to get people fighting about identity. There are all these reports from Occupy 2012-ish where, you know, guys who happen to be white guys who are big, effective leaders. And this at this point was getting crossover. You're having like Tea Party guys and Occupy guys showing up together, right? So you, you had these white dudes who had been effective organizers and leaders and strategists, and they were making real headway. Then all of a sudden, they implement out of nowhere a freaking progressive stack where it's like you have to be a black lesbian to talk and then white guys aren't really. And so all these testimonies from white guys who were actually like taking leadership roles and being very effective who were like, ah, I just threw my hands in the air. You can't get anything done with these people anymore. And uh, the big banks figured out That if they push diversity, 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 kind of like the universities already were, then not only does it ruin these movements, but it makes them look great at the same time. They're like, oh, we're in charge We're social diversity. We're continuing the civil rights movement. Really what they're doing is busting up their first real challenge that they've had in a century, Mm -hmm. uh, and for good reason, having that challenge in front of them. And they get to look like the heroes while they actually are the equivalent of like the Pinkertons. You know, coming in and, and busting the kneecaps of the of the union or whatever, mm-hmm. and so um, you have, yeah. So wokeness was a was mainlined primarily by big banks, uh, who all of a sudden started to dump oceans of money into this backwater when they figured out that it was like the kryptonite to destroy a social movement.
1: Yep. Well, that's that's uh, actually dave smith was the first person that that said that um that i heard i mean i'm not saying that he came up with it and i, I think he just kind of instinctually well,
2: I, there are other people saying this so i'm not you know i don't want to take credit like i thought this all up myself i'm just reading other people's mm-hmm. stuff and trying to piece things together because i don't exactly know
1: oh, how sure, in no. the world it
2: happened
1: no me, me neither i mean this is why i, I found his thesis so compelling because it was the first thing that kind of I mean, whether or not it was orchestrated, the timing lines up. It was like, okay, here's Occupy Wall Street. Like, this is a real threat to the power system and the, the banking system in this country, which is largely the power structure by which we all um, operate under. And, and then all of a sudden, boom, now you have to be woke. And, and also, it's a very economical way to basically show that you're doing good things for the culture. You know, all you have to do is put your white employees through some torturous, uh, read aloud, explain why you're a piece of shit for an hour <laughs> every month, <laughs> and, you, and you can pretend like you're fixing the world. I mean, it's it's hilarious because they don't actually have to do anything. They don't have to actually go out and fix the communities that they're allegedly advocating on the behalf of. They just have to scream about how evil their heritage is. I mean, it's it's a really sick thing. What do you think, Josie?
3: Well, if you if you think about or if you ask people from China who fled or who fled uh, communist countries and they come to, to the United States, they're gonna tell you it's happening the way here, the way that it happened there. It's happening instead. step. But instead of um, everything being against the CCP was kind of like the big thing in China, it's like if that was against the CCP, that was evil. Mm-hmm. Here, it's, if, if that's racist, that's evil. Mm-hmm. So they've chalked all of the tenets of America into one concept called whiteness. Wow. And whiteness is evil.
1: So oh, all the same concepts.
3: <laughs> yeah. So all the same concepts that make up, and I'm talking whiteness. So all the same concepts that are whiteness that are bad that they need to decentralize. This is their language, not mine. Right. Um, religion, family, um, money, property, um, history is the big one. And they need to abolish all of that, get rid of all of that. And, and that's se- what self-defense that's also, too. Yep, self-defense can't have that time. Yeah. I mean, yeah. things—the things that they come up with—that they—they <laughs> want to un-unground everybody, I guess, and untether them from um, from their 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 base. Yeah. Like, and that's your family and your religion and everything that makes who you are. And they want to make all that whiteness. They want to decentralize all that whiteness because whiteness is bad and whiteness is racist. And what better way to get people to sway and you know move to your will than by to shame them. Mm-hmm nobody yeah. wants to be racist They're like oh my god I'm Catholic I'm a racist yeah you're a racist oh my god like I gotta step away from that I don't want to be a racist you know well, and, and, and what, that
1: and what did you do to be racist oh no it was just how you were born it, it's what your it it's born. what your lineage did which is such a yes such a because sick it's all, un-American perspective
3: it's all, it's all rel- like in I, I mean I am Catholic and it's just the first thing I came up with but there's original original sin that we're all born with right and then you're baptized and your original sin is gone like you don't have it you're a nice clean fresh baby now right like that's that's kind of the idea of it um so now the new original sin you really can't be baptized from you're white you're white you're white period you you just need to repent for the rest of your life for being white and that's what crt is doing to our children in schools you know like The thing about CRT, they act like we didn't learn about slavery and the Underground Railroad and Harriet Tubman and Lincoln and the Emancipation Proclamation. They act like we didn't learn about any of that. And so when you say we learned about that, we just don't like our children being told that they have to stand up in class and say, I'm a racist or that they have to watch a a television or a a movie called I'm Not a Racist, Am I? Which is going on in the schools where I live. Okay, so so that's. And and you say, I don't want my child to watch them. They're like, why do not you want to teach your kid about slavery? And it's like, my kid learned about slavery in the fourth grade when everybody else learned about slavery, you know, and it, it was never about not teaching slavery, but that's, they know what they're doing and they want to turn it around on you by saying, why wouldn't you want you know them to learn about the Emancipation Proclamation? That's all that we're doing. It's like, no, you're not. This is a vessel to get your crap into our, into our children. We know right. what it is. Yeah. And that's and why it's my parents, stand up. Yeah, that's why <laughs> parents were so loud and stood up and the stupidest thing that uh what, what was his name? The guy that lost um, Virginia, the governor that lost Virginia. McAuliffe. 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 yes. What he did, okay, he was not reading the room. He brought in the head of the, the school, whatever, to talk about how like putting the like lit teachers teach was the whole thing. And it's mm. like the entire issue. With these parents the big one was what they were teaching what they were doing in secret you know whether it was kids in bathrooms wearing dresses assaulting other kids or whether it was um the crt in their schools you know and that was the stuff parents were having a problem with and who, who does he bring in the like the super villain of all of that to endorse him You know, like these people are stupid that was the stupidest thing he could have done if he actually wanted to win. So that made me a little nervous too, thinking, okay, well, I, now I think Yunkin is like a plant.
1: Yeah, no, like no, there that, wasn't any winning there. That, that's they wanted to, too.
3: yeah, they, they want to calm Virginia down with Yunkin, calm them down, and then they can slowly bring their tyranny in now because right. they kind of trust the guy a little bit that's in charge. And McAuliffe was like, not, not the right guy for the job in Virginia at that time.
1: Well, this is, this is what frustrates me so much is like, I, I remember vividly being taught how horrible both the Holocaust, slavery was. Uh, I remember I, it was either third or fourth grade. I was so exhausted about learning about, I don't know if we called them the Indians at the time, but Native Americans. Mm-hmm. And, and you want to talk about, uh, you know, whitewashing history. It was a complete hagiography. We didn't actually tell the truth about Native American tribes and how violent some of them were. I mean, it was just like they're peaceful, and we came through and we fucked them all up, and that's the end of the story. It's like, well, it's a little yep. bit more complicated than that. Um, so yeah, it's it's just fascinating because like we were being lied to. Like I want to be very clear, public education was bullshit back then too, but their version of it, where we were lied to and told they, white supremacy was being uplifted and we weren't paying attention to the plight of the downtrodden. It was a lie. Even when I was a child, I mean, it was a lie then too, and it's still a lie. now it's just a more egregious version. I know again, James, this is your area of expertise. So please hop in wherever you feel. No, that's exactly
2: right. We have, we don't have whitewashed education like they like to claim we may have in the fifties, but um, we have redwashed education. It's been redwashed. That's the project I'm working on right now with my own work with my podcast. Uh, which is to go into what's called the critical turn in education and to show how they remade starting in the early 1970s after all that crazy violence didn't work out at the end of the 1960s and pissed everybody off that they switched into uh, going into the, everybody says, oh, the long march to the institutions. Well, the institutions that they marched their butts into first, besides maybe the the IC, would have been the K through 12 uh, and the colleges of education. And they were very, very effective there. And this is where all kinds of these weird connections start coming up. And, you know, I don't like to say too much because I'm not an expert, but there's this guy, uh, a South American liberation theologist from back in the day. Um, What's his name? Uh, Camara. Camara. on Halder or Haldo or something, Halder Camara or something like this. And he's a, he's a liberation theologist, which is say a Marxist dressed up as a, in a Catholic frock. And um, turns out he's largely responsible for bringing the guy Paulo Ferreri up into North America, who's the Brazilian Marxist educator who came up with this idea of like a totally new Marxist theory of education that's now the cornerstone of all of our education schools. Um, well, it turns out that this same Camara guy um klaus schwab says it's his spiritual his spiritual father and he's got close ties to the current pope and they've been like klaus and the pope and Kamara have been together and it's like there's weird marxist ties going way back
1: too you're scaring me james
2: dude i know <laughs> but what the, so there's all these things that we're kind of like is this a marxist plot or is it a, you know it's yes it's elements <laughs> of both and what's happened is there's been a confluence of circumstances allowed basically a slowly or being a trap has been been being arranged very slowly over time that nobody knew if it would even ever have the chance to be sprung. And then the opportunity to spring it came and they sprung it uh, as you know, we could talk about the, the history and, and the critical race theory all we want, but you've already basically covered it uh, sufficiently. They're teaching lies uh, they're teaching purposed lies We know what the purpose is, is to scapegoat whiteness and therefore to create two categories of people. What Mao did, by the way, was created 10 categories of people, but five of them were red. That's good. And five of them were black and that's bad. And so, you know, you you ended up scapegoating the black classes uh, and the black classes were, were to be associated with capitalism and the four olds of culture and, you know, tradition and all of this. And so, same kind of thing whiteness is the whiteness white adjacency acting white these are like the different categories of the different black categories and then you have you know um you know racial minority or bipoc or whatever latinx or something queer you know whatever neurodivergent whatever they want to use and those are (laughs) like the red categories and they're good and it's the exact same model so all they're doing is just using racial maoism which is not that big of a surprise because it's obviously America's sore spot. And then what Mao did actually worked in China. You know, If you don't know the history of China, there was this huge kind of Marxist push with race, by the way, in the 30s and 40s that almost nobody knows about where they used Han in the same way that white gets used in America to kind of destabilize and unground people. Then there was the, the, the attempt of the revolution with the, there was the revolution and then the great leap forward, which is a great leap right into the dumpster. Uh, Went really badly. People died. Mao got chased out. Uh, And then Mao comes back and to regain power unleashes the Red Guard, um, which was largely his warming into education to turn the kids into revolutionaries. And then you got these radicals in America in the 60s who mostly came from Germany, who were looking at that and saying, you know what, a student revolution is a good idea. Let's get a student movement going. And how are we going to get one? We're going to into the colleges and so on. Uh, But critical race theory or or queer theory with the comprehensive sex ed that it's tucked into the the social emotional learning is the vehicle is just a reproduction of everything that Mao was doing to turn the schools into radical revolutionary mills. with the heart and soul, the four olds being his big target, uh, the the old habits, old customs, old ways of thinking, old traditions or something like that, having to be abolished everywhere. By the way, also just on that point, abolish this, abolish that, abolish is clearer remarkably in the original German, uh, and it is the original German. The word abolish in this case comes from the German "Alphaben," and the German "Alphaben." means to to it's a funny word it means three things at once if we translate it literally in its etymology alf is on i think and "haben" is a hold so it's like to lift up oh. is what it literally means but the marxists translate when they go through old marx marx's writings in german or hegel's writings or whatever before that um they translate Alf Haben as sublate which is a marxist word it's a made-up word and what it means is that you Alphaben actually means to keep the essentials while abolishing or canceling and then to raise up to a higher level. And so that's the, the, the object. So when they say that they want to abolish the police, what they want to do is they want to keep the idea of a police, but they want to destroy it in its current incarnation, cancel the existing police, and lift it up to a higher level, a.k.a. a secret police that they're going to be in control of. So, when they say abolish, what they actually mean is seize control of and repurpose to their ends. Uh, and so, you know, here when we have abolish whiteness, the goal there is going to be re- to repurpose whiteness to a revolutionary project. In other words, a constant repentance by white people and a constant uh, kind of malice driven uh, scapegoating by people that are said to be excluded by it. Wow. It's that dangerous.
1: Was- yeah, that was incredible. Well, you said you said that neurodivergent was good. Then why did they come out and say that they, they wanted uh, you know libertarians on the America's most wanted list? I mean, we're all that's neurodivergent. Um, <laughs> I, well, you're I,
2: the wrong kind of neurodivergent. Just like my <laughs> Indian friend who is a cardiologist, is, he got told he was the wrong kind of diversity at a cardiology meeting when he asked where he was on the chart. And they said, you're white
1: now. And he was like, what? And he's like, super, <laughs> super dark brown. And he's like, I'm what? Uh, that's, that's how it works, man. I mean, he's got a He's got to start sleeping with a dude to keep his, his safety, uh, his safe space. And now yeah, you know why
2: all the kids are non-binary because yeah,
1: all the yeah, white so,
3: kids aren't exactly special for their race. That social, emotional learning, um, you know, because they bring in uh, pronouns and what sounds, you know, and, and they'll even put colors with the pronouns. So it's like, oh, you're, you're a cis male. You're gray, gray. Like, oh, but you're a, they, them, you get to be purple. And it's yep. like, and oh, you're a zzer. Wow, you're a rainbow. So, so what do you think the six-year-old is gonna identify us? The six-year-old's kind of gonna unicorn, want a unicorn. Exactly, you yeah. know, and and that's then they know that. So, and and that's the kind of stuff. Like you think, you know, they target the youth, whether it's the Hitler Youth, whether it's meow, Mao. I can't say his name. I sound like a cat um, targeting the, um, the means cat. The there, yep, exactly. Does it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. The,
2: yeah, the Chinese word for cat is Mao. Oh, <laughs>
3: <laughs> Excellent. The mouth goes
1: mouth. Um,
3: <laughs> so, um,
1: yeah. Oh, no! Go, go, go ahead and continue.
3: So, um, yeah, that was, that was my point. Is they they target children with with pretty language, and then you know, so they can create their identity. And then once they have created this identity, then the children are going to be on one side against their parents, who are on another side, who aren't zeezers and. Z- Zems, you know, and and that's going to divide that. That works to break down the family, and they all start in school.
2: Let me just be real clear because some troll is going to be the Mao and Mao Zedong is not the same Mao. It means cat. It's a
3: Chinese.
2: (laughs) It is the same exact.
3: You are one hundred percent about the troll.
2: They don't mean the same thing, Mao the chairman did not mean chairman
1: cat it, it is not <laughs> what was happening there
3: i kind of wish it did now, though. Yeah, i was gonna say well, how
1: great would it be if that's what it was um yeah well, this this is what uh i mean it, it both infuriates me and gives me hope because they have gone after the kids on multiple levels masking lockdowns no schools i mean even though i would prefer kids not to be in public schools but that's a totally different discussion um and then the education the uh critical race theory uh basically shaming them for their existence if they look the wrong way making them or if they didn't get the needle yes yeah there you go oh yeah Uh,
3: there's actually schools in mass uh one school in mass that decided that they were going to let all the kids because mass has like a a straight up masks everywhere one school did no masks only for the vaccinated children or so they didn't have to wear their masks but yeah it's stuff like that it's going to target them it's going to make some children feel lesser or ashamed
1: Yeah, oh yeah you know and
3: those are their parents decisions whether or not they're going to get vaccinated you know of course
1: but- of course mm-hmm. and, and but the, the kid's going to have to pay the price and now you have new york city with fucking de blasio being the scumbag that he is doing what he's doing <laughs> oh. um, for those that don't know they're doing basically five and up so children will not be able to go into restaurants if they haven't if they don't have evidence of their vaccination status i mean this is fucking unbelievable and it's for a virus which as we all know is not very dangerous for children uh, almost almost completely non <laughs> lethal so it's a uh, it's a really stunning thing uh, i think i think we all have concluded accurately that this is a very intentional thing but what i don't understand is if you were going to have a cultural revolution or if you were going to be a subversive and and take take down a society Probably the last thing I would want to do is enrage people by going after their kids because a really docile population like America, who's content with Netflix and having Uber eats, deliver their food and getting fat and not really thinking critically or doing anything about anything. um, When you start to make their kids suicidal, uh, (laughs) when you start to make their kids come home and say, mom, I think I'm a boy, uh, that type of shit. It's like, you're gonna, you're gonna activate people. Is, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. is that intentional? Is it accidental? Is it a byproduct? Is it a is it a, uh, a byproduct of them having to speed up their plans? Like, what is it?
2: So I think that it's partly that they had to speed up their plans. It's So it's pretty well known that revolutions of this sort, cultural revolutions, can get pushed back basically by about two means. One of those means is that you have somebody like Putin sees autocratic power and start killing journalists who are doing the propaganda campaign uh, and another, which we don't want that and uh, not to pimp on some authoritarian Putin, but uh, the other is that the parents of, parents of means specifically become aware that their children are in big trouble uh, and so when would you do that? If So it could just be that they're stupid but um, and just like so zealous that they're doing it because you got to think if you're going to unleash Education majors, if anybody present is one, I'm sorry, education majors are not famously the brightest tools in the the college shed. Um, it's not a very hard major. Uh, in fact, like they're making like posters and stuff where the engineers are over here having to build like a jet jet engine or something in the garage. So it's like it's a totally not that hard major. And so the fact that they maybe are just dumb and decided to be super zealous and brainwash kids, where they did a lot of this stuff, by the way, in the 50s, there was a military experiment with diversity. They were trying to figure out how to desegregate the military. And I don't think that this was wokery running in communism. They literally, like, World War II happened, you know, different racial groups fought like hell for freedom. And they're like, let's end this crap in the military. And I think as Eisenhower put out an executive order saying, we're done here. And they had to figure out how we start integrating units and they started out doing what looks like diversity training today they started and they called it the racial hot seat and they found out that it tends to make a fair number of people into total fanatics when you do that to them and then they can't not go around calling everybody a racist all the time to the point where they're not even effective soldiers anymore like it was a huge problem they had to cancel the program and everything and so um wow yeah so it's possible they sure. just made a bunch of fanatics and put them in the schools and now you they've lost control of their own monster but it's also when would you do this is when you either think that you've won or when it's your you know hail mary which is right. if we can if we can groom the next generation you know, we can get it or, you know, or we're far enough along where we can no longer lose. So now we have to groom the next generation. The parents aren't going to be able to do anything. And I think to be honest with you, probably elements of all of those things are true, but they think that they've won. They're probably just some zealous morons that don't realize, you know, they've lost control of. And then uh, at the same time, they they realized they're like with critical race theory, it was like every they weren't we talk about things like Trump wasn't supposed to happen. Critical race theory getting exposed wasn't supposed to happen. And then it did. And so now what you you don't hear about it like you were. It's not kind of in everything, but it's very insidiously tucked into the schools because they want to radicalize another generation of kids because they're the most susceptible. So that's they. there's a, an awareness that there's a Hail Mary going on there uh, to try to create the Red Guard as a as a effort like the great leap forward, great reset failed. Maybe let's just say, and then we're gonna get a red guard and get our cultural revolution like mounted kind of mentality. So the the point is that they are going after the kids as hard as they are, not necessarily because they want to, but because of this kind of three factors of of failure are all kind of colliding at once onto them. And I don't know how you parse out which one it is. Um certainly though as they say in, in Lord of the Rings, where, the, where at the end of the two towers where the orcs have stolen Frodo. And they're like, if you have, spoiler alert, and, and uh, they're like, you know, the bosses say something is slipping or something like this or whatever. And the other guys say, I say something has slipped. And I think that that's the case. And it's the Trump wasn't supposed to happen. And that mucked up their plans and much more than mucking up their plans and putting them behind schedule that exposed fake news that's the biggest thing Trump did was expose fake news. And then the second thing uh, is that critical race theory is a household word now. Uh, And people have a keen sense, even if they can't articulate very clearly all the time, what all's going on with it or who's involved. They know it's there. They know it's bad. They know it's related to Marxism. They know that it's poisonous for the kids. They know it's racist. And so they're, they have big problems on their hands for, for their, um, their agenda. I think critical race theory, I've been saying this for a long time was the lock pick that was supposed to open everything up. That's wow. a small thing, but it's a necessary thing. And we basically have slapped that lock pick out of their hand and broken it on the ground and they don't know what to do. So they're trying to force it on kids as hard as they can. Cause it's that's the last lap is the kids. Mm-hmm. Now, like I said, this is where cultural revolutions backfire. That's what happened in Hungary in 1919 when George Lukács implemented his sex education to do exactly what Josie was just talking about in 1919 on the Hungarians. The Hungarian parents were like, the hell are you doing? And the Hungarians revolted. And after four months, they weren't communists anymore. Now, Hungary had a bumpy next 40 years, not to, you know, in and out of communism, uh, depending on who was in charge in different parts of Europe around them. But they definitely pushed off their attempted revolution at the hands of George Lukács. Uh, in his sex ed was a huge reason why, because the parents were just like, no, you're not doing this to us. And that's what's happening here in America. The sex ed and the critical race theory and education and the SEL parents, activating parents is where this all stops because parents will die for their kids. Like it doesn't even matter.
1: No, matter. no matter how indoctrinated the population, we will still die for our kids. That's the one That's the one thing you can't get away with really. I mean, I hope, I mean, obviously there's exceptions to that rule, but it there are enough people that are being, um enraged enough that they can actually do some really radical shit and this is this is the thing that amazes me honestly is that it has been so egregious what we've done to children over the past two years it's been longer than that but it got crazy bad over the past two years and there hasn't been any really radical things that have happened you know like i honestly i'm stunned every day i wake up and there's not a story about a politician getting got or um it was something crazy happening uh you know they 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 are preemptively like it's it's this is the thing that's crazy the day one of biden's administration he came out with a memorandum basically labeling all of these new domestic extremists and in there was libertarians and a whole bunch of other people that you would never consider as uh, domestic terrorists per se but it it seems as if they knew that what they were doing was going to enrage people to the point of there possibly being deme- like actual domestic extremist behavior. And there's been almost none. That's the no, weirdest thing about it.
2: This is another place we started off talking about where I've been wrong and I've admitted it. I, I used to just rail on the idea of the responsible gun owner. I was like, well, you are until you're not, you know, and it's once you're radicalized, it's like you've already put a bullet in somebody before you, you like you pulling the distance between you ceasing to be a responsible gun owner and somebody dying is milliseconds. Right. Because once you pull that trigger, it doesn't take long. Yeah, and ask Al, bullet, Al,
1: ask Al Baldwin how long it takes.
2: Yeah. Bullets go fast. What a, <laughs> what, a what a, what a concept.
3: Oh, she asked him to do it though. She oh, asked yeah, him that's, do it. I'm sure
2: <laughs> all I've seen now though, like the, the, the restraint that I've seen in the well-armed American populace, in the past two years has just been astonishing um it was never a myth the responsible gun owner is a thing and i think that the typical salt of the earth american at this point is fully aware that the regime is perfectly ready to bait them into violence it's like hello fellow american citizens would you like to do a violence with us you know (laughs) all the time and
1: steve Steve buscemi with the hat on backwards
2: (laughs) yeah exactly i just with a skateboard and i just told but it's like an ar-15 but no actually they have an ar-16 of course and uh because it's better and um it's a slightly bigger gun yeah and so (laughs) they there's this over like very wide reaching and i hear it all the time awareness that um that that they they want they want the overreaction they're trying to provoke and the salt of the earth american is being very very smart and very very savvy and not fought, not taking this bait and you know like look at patriot front again it's frustrating the hell out of them it's <laughs> frustrating them so they're, badly they're sending 50
1: 50 federal agents out to march around just to pretend that we're actually crazy even though we are unbelievably calm and rational. almost too calm for my taste but i'll I'll leave that aside. What do you? They think
2: couldn't hire one chubby guy in a freaking cam- <laughs> like khaki vest with pockets all over it.
1: They couldn't get one guy who's kind of fat. Yeah, you or, know, or like half Massey of them with their with their mask hanging down. Like like they were all perfectly hidden with the glasses and the mask. It was I mean it's unbelievable.
3: As if they'd be masked, you know. You think about it. As if these yeah. like right, the conservatives aren't going to be masked, and you have them all in uniform masks, you know. But yeah, Thomas Massey had said it best. He's like. An image means more to you than anything that I can say, Mm. you you know, you're going to see these images of these marching people with American flags and you're going to get mad more than anything, any words that Mm. can like no that didn't happen like what's the more what's more powerful to the average person you know. I mean, that's where I
2: got in trouble in the Twitter this year. And I said that the meme is more powerful than the AR-15. And I had like 3000 people tell me that I was, could tweet my meme and see what happens when they shoot me. And I'm like, are you serious?
3: Oh. Like, are you Patriot front?
2: Yeah. Right. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's a glowing tweet that you sent me. <laughs> like, come on.
3: Yeah. You're right about, um, parents doing anything for their kids. Like I would Crawl through the shit pipe at the end of the Shawshank Redemption for my children. You know, I would block half of Twitter for my children. Like I just listened
2: to a woman this earlier today, I had a meeting and this woman's like, well, I realized this was going on in my school. So I knew I had to do something. And she's like, mm-hmm. we own three businesses. She and her husband, we have all this stuff going on. We're president of this and, you know, or community that blah, 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 busy, busy, busy. And she's like, so I just started getting up at 4. AM. So I could have 4. AM to 6 30 AM to dedicate to researching what's going on in my kid's school and to making cases about it. they will, people will bend their lives in very uncomfortable ways to protect their children.
1: Yep.
2: It doesn't have to be like we said they'll kill for their children, but that's a lot la- by far last thing. They will they will pick up and move. They will rip their kids out of school and suddenly I'm gonna learn how to do algebra finally so I can homeschool my kids. I'll get up at four in the morning to figure out what's going on in these school systems so that I can expose it so I can protect my kids. And we're not talking. There's a, a woman I talked to when I was in Utah last week and um they have a Utah, there's a, there's a parents organization that started in Utah just this year called uh, Utah Parents United or something, the UPU. And it's already got 25,000 activists that show up by the thousand to things when school boards or county commissions or city councils or whatever, try to do something. And so parents will make themselves very uncomfortable That's what the whole, like how many parents, all of them have worked some job they probably didn't want for a long time. So they could pay for their, so their kid could have enough, you know, goldfish crackers or something like that, you know, seriously, or some stupid, like
3: is, um, parents need, so the way that we were infiltrated, I believe is it started at a local level. And then those local communists went up into the state level. And then those state communists went up into the federal level and it just kept ballooning out like that and i feel like the way to take our schools back is where it has to start we have to take our schools back and Mm -hmm. the way to do that is because they were all nobody really was interested in parent you know being on the school board it is boring tedious dry it's thankless work and nobody wants to do it sorry can you see me yeah you're back you're back did i cut out all right sorry um, so it's, it's this thankless work and no one wants to do it. So now, so a lot of the people who get on there ran unopposed and they see a hole and they get in and they bring their agenda with them. Yeah. So what's got to happen is, um, we got to start running or, you know, parents have to start running for these positions with a, Oh, there's a seat on the school board. You know, my school board has trouble filling seats all the time, you know, like mm-hmm. got to get on and run for a seat on the school board. And that's how you're going to get ahead of it then you're
1: not going to let them hurt your children if no, you I, I do agree. it yourself. I, I think I think that's that's obviously important. But basically, what it did is it took a very a very sleepy, very complacent portion of the population, and it forced them to reevaluate everything that they were doing with their lives. Now, obviously, some people are still still asleep, and there's nothing you're going to do about it until until there's food lines, in which case they might start to get engaged. But uh, a lot of the you know middle-class blue-collar folks that like were just like, leave me the fuck alone. I got my guns. I got my God. I got my family. And that's about all I need. Yeah, those people are radicalized like you wouldn't believe now. And, and they are ready to do whatever it takes to stop what's transpiring. And I don't blame them. I feel the same way. I uprooted my life after 39 years living in California. And I moved to Florida because I was like, this is hell on earth. I'm not going to exist here like this much longer. And if I had kids, my God, what i would have done i can't even imagine what i would have done Uh, i I that's what i'm doing right now exactly exactly i mean i scream into a microphone five times a week because i'm so enraged about about all of this if i had children i'm just i'm grateful i don't anyways um i hope i will at some point we've we've uh we've stayed way past our time but i want to get you guys out here on on one more question and i knew this conversation was going to be amazing so thank you so much for for doing it uh it's been one of the one of my favorites of all time so it's it's great um I, I want to know what two, two part, a part B questions. Uh, first off, how does this, how does this end? Like, do you see, I mean, obviously it can go a, a ton of different directions. So I am asking for a prediction here as to how it all plays out. Um, and then secondarily, what do you guys think as to the the formulation of the the resolution that we come to? Is it, is it abolition of this government? Is it uh, secessionary movements? Uh, what do you, is it civil war? Like what what are you guys what are you guys envisioning?
3: Well, I had talked to you about this last time and yeah, um a little how bit. yeah, we we talked about well no, I have a change of heart now. Okay, well good. So yeah. And this was partially to you. You told me one of these days you're gonna change my mind about this, but <laughs> so um so I told you about how the courts will not rule on secession because America is here because of secession. So when it comes to, like, for instance, um, uh, oh my God, totally blanked out his name, civil war guy, was it Lee who ran the civil war? Holy cow. Am I yeah, having Grant a stroke? And
1: Lee. Grant and Lee. Um, uh, <laughs>
3: yes. Yes. So they were, so they were, um, so, so they were, you know, charged with trying like with um you know whatever to be able to secede, right? They wanted to secede. Um, however, we were built on secession. So they couldn't charge them with anything because what they were doing is why we have a country. So the courts avoid this secession, the conversation, they won't have it. So the best thing that they were able to do in Congress was to create the 14th Amendment, which made it so that um they could never hold a public office again. And so Grant Lee or Lee was had that all I don't have my notes in front of me about this. So that's why I'm all over the place. But it's okay. so Lee was, they, they threw out his case essentially and it just went away. If they never talked about it again because it's not something that they want to touch. The only thing that they put in front of it is the 14th amendment that says, well, you can't run for office, you know and they have all the language about secession and treason now in that. But so I believe that it could happen though because I feel like it's gonna happen in Florida and I feel like DeSantis is, prepping for it now with his announcement about the militia that he's setting up that's kind of already always kind of been there but he's talking about it um that um the militia of just the citizens
1: well it's got to be a hell of a lot bigger if he's if he's serious because yeah exactly so
3: he's putting it out there and i almost feel like he's advertising
1: well Um, i think he's advertising to his base i i don't think he has plans in that regard personally i i mean wish he did to be honest but i, don't, I well i don't, I don't think,
3: think so. he is like tomorrow i think oh, right, that right. It's, he's laying some groundwork he's playing the long game on it right
1: right because it's kind of, something kind of like, that, a, like a win a political windsock just seeing which, ex- which way the wind's going. yes
3: exactly exactly so i and i mean i never really thought that that could happen most people are really stubborn about the whole secession thing they're like nope not gonna happen and then if you think about who we're going up against losing states is losing power and they won they do not want to lose power. I feel like they will negotiate as far as they can in order to keep a state in the union, in order to not lose them, in order to continue to have power over them. I feel like the establishment would negotiate whatever they want within their parameters.
1: Well, that, that's before. the question. Are, are they willing to negotiate anything, or are they willing to wield tremendous state violence to prevent it? Because uh, historically, they've done the latter. So what, what do you they think, know.
2: I think the we, we actually talked about the, the stronger direction as far as that goes is um, that it's very delicate how you would mention this because you don't want to use certain words, um, but it would be very smart if a number of states that are strongly constitutionally conservative decided to, to lean into the Tenth Amendment, but also to uh, collaborate with one another so that they have one another's backs in some right. sense. And the point being to say, you know, that we're not going to secede, we're going to be a royal pain in your ass, and we're not going to do anything you tell us federal government that's outside of your extraordinarily narrow powers in the Constitution. And so, you know, So kind whatever. of what they've
1: done with the OSHA stuff as of late, where, and and also throwing out, uh, uh, public schools have been removing themselves from national school board yes. stuff and all that. Is that kind of the yeah. kind of thinking?
2: And so, that i mean i think that that's the smarter strategy for for how to go maybe that it needs to be held up as a as you know a bargaining chip as well uh, that you know we'll all bail as one if we have to but um what i think is going to happen i think like i said all your calculations for what's going to happen must take into account that the regime knows it's crossed the rubicon this is the single most important thing to understand with their behavior, which is that they know that they have only forward as a direction to go. They cannot go back. They, they're they going to be in too much trouble. Their smallest consequences, they're not going to win another election for a generation or two. The largest consequence is that these people are going to be having like mass, massive international courts, like crimes against humanity and whatever follows from that, uh, or some kind of, you know, much more populisty nasty thing that you know nothing good is on the other side nothing good is on the other side of backing down for them so they're not going to back down and so uh the question is how far does it go i used to be convinced that there was no way out of this that didn't end with something like war uh because if there's secession there will be war um for certain uh so i no longer am totally convinced of that uh I think that their grip on power is already slipped enough uh, that what's more, more likely is there'll be some kind of a, a face-off of some degree, or there'll be some kind of an incident. In a in sane world, it would have been what just happened in Waukesha with the Daryl Brooks driving through that parade of people. I actually think it'll be what, they, what the old history books call a massacre, which usually involves like 10 to 100 people getting killed. And, you know, maybe the same number or double that injured around it or 10 times that many injured around it or whatever. Um, I think we'll see one or two or three significant massacres. And at some point that's going to happen and the line is going to get drawn and people are going to say we're done. And basically the, their choice is going to be given to them. The question what hap- about what happens in the bigger picture after that is a big open question because this, de- this instability in the West is something that China is watching. And the actual strength of China is its own open question. They're very good at posturing strength and showing strength, but even to themselves. But they're also, you know, not exactly the most truthful nation on the planet. And so, what their actual strength is—economic house
1: of cards like us. So, yes,
2: what their actual situation is is unclear to me. But certainly, if the West enters into a state of significant enough instability, and China feels a position of strength um it will move upon that now china i don't think wants to i don't think china wants to rule the world i think china wants to be able to do what china does unopposed it just wants to disempower the rest of the world and be the big the big cat on the block right. uh i don't think it wants to try to occupy the united states or you know something like that and, or try to for goodness sake try to do a land war here um yeah. so um I don't think that that's their agenda, but I do think that they will, they will look for that moment of weakness and try to spring. Uh, but I'm now convinced that the woke slash COVID slash, cause it's all the same thing. Great reset slash thing will probably get pushed to the point where the fools in charge get too heavy handed in some significant enough way. Maybe it, in, it involves a massacre. Maybe it doesn't where the general attitude hits critical mass of Nope no more. Nope, no more. We're just not doing this. We're just, you Make whatever edict you want. We're just not doing this. And uh, I actually suspect it'll start to unravel pretty quickly, but not smoothly at that point. And then you'll see all of these corporations and so on that got involved. Supposing we don't get all locked into it. What they're going to do is start to pretend they never did it. And <laughs> the, you know, <laughs> the universities are going to pretend that they never bought into these ideas in the first place. And, you know, Disney never put out like, you know, a woke movie, and it'll it, it all—it'll be so much fakery and pretending. It's going to be ridiculous and and very maddening for those of us who are red. Just
1: going to say, but I've already been so so brutally See, gaslit over the past. That I years. was going to say
2: that'll be the <laughs> great, the greatest gaslighting in history. Oh,
1: uh, when well they
2: pretend they never did any of this, if it you're, fails,
1: you're never going to get, you're never going to get me to forgive or forget any of what you've done over the past two years. So good luck gaslighting on gaslighting us on that. Anyways, um, it has been an incredible conversation with you guys. I am so grateful. Uh, James, if you could start off with just telling people where to follow you and about your new book, if you don't mind.
2: Yeah, I'm at Conceptual James on most of the social media, uh, and certainly Twitter is where I'm most active and most vibrant. And yes, then, indeed. One of my, fa- indeed.
1: probably my favorite follow, so thank you.
2: Thank you. The company is 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 also likewise on most social media at New Discourses. That's mostly my stuff, um, so follow both. And I've got a new book coming. I'm going to publish it through New Discourses, which means technically the company is going to self publish it, which technically means you cannot pre order it because they don't give you that function on the the big A. But um, it should be coming soon. The text is effectively complete. I might tweak one section, but I need to get it typeset and get it out. It's going to be called race Marxism. It's going to be just a, not quick. It's almost a hundred thousand words. It's long, um, but very thorough explication of what critical race theory is, what it believes, where it comes from, where that comes from behind it, what it does and what we can do about it.
1: And then a couple years from now, they'll pretend that you you just made it all up. It's gonna be weird. It's gonna be really fucking weird when that happens. Oh. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's,
3: it's a really interesting. Book.
2: I even heard somebody today in a video talk about that. They said that the conservatives came up with this. There was like, you know, we're just teaching about racism. We're doing all these things in the schools, and then conservatives just created this boogeyman, this thing called critical race theory, that they just made this up to have a name for something so that they could hate it. And I'm like, are you kidding me?
1: <laughs> We've made it up. It began. doesn't
3: exist. <laughs>
1: Um, Josie, and it's only you, taught in college. Yes, exactly. well, only in law school. Uh, Josie, <laughs> yeah. if you could uh, give people your contacts or anything that you'd like to tell people about.
3: Sure, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Queen Josie. That's K-W-E-E-N-J-O-S-I-E. You can also find me on YouTube at that. Uh, yeah, those are my two primary places that I like to hang out. Um, okay. Also mine's.
1: Oh yeah, oh, perfect. Mine, well, same I- name, yep. Any anybody that's listening right now, uh, make sure you go follow these two. They I kept them about thirty minutes past what we had uh, expected, so we got to show some appreciation. Thank them for coming on. Um, thank you guys for coming on. It was it was an absolute blast. I knew the conversation would be amazing, and it was. Let's get out of here, man. Did I tell you? Did I tell you how good that episode was going to be? I didn't lie. I did not lie, folks. That was a banger. My God, I enjoyed that so much. I hope you did too. If you did, go to LibertyLockdownLocals.com to become a supporting member of the show. Just a couple bucks a month helps keep me afloat, helps me grow, mainly. That's the main thing I'm trying to do here is push money into marketing to get these type of messages to the masses. Because good God do we need more people to see the world the way we do if we have any hope of molding the world into our worldview. Tomorrow I will have on Jake Shields, five-time MMA world champion. He is a legend. He was a UFC fighter for the longest time. I watched him for years, and he is now based as all hell. So I think that's going to be a phenomenal conversation Don't miss that one And last but not least I will be doing the Sayalita Super Spreader event This weekend in Sayalita, Mexico uh, I think you can still get tickets Reach out to Johnny Profita over at Peddling Fiction You can tweet at him And find out how to get those tickets uh, It's going to be just a great time A bunch of the, your favorite podcasters will be there Robbie the Fire, Mark Claire A bunch of people So don't miss it <laughs> big shout out to everybody that's been with me since jump street appreciate y'all
0: Welcome to Liberty Lockdown, please scan your barcode Your liberty ain't gone, but yeah, it's on hold Where did it come from and where did it go? It requires a fight, not from your phone Don't need a king, get him off the fucking throne If you are riding with the thought, you've always got a home The virus you're scared of will come and it'll go The government knows, some don't get treated like a hoe Like Nico and Shane, you're probably wondering what's happening Scared Hollywood, these lyrical, fappin' in A typo Luke might bring the nooses We all bite the bullet, I'm the king of the gooses Freckles and Brit, didn't know I could spit Knew I was a patriot, but now nah, the shit